Hi everybody and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today I'm going to be talking about what a healthy sex life looks like because many people grow up seeing uh, affectionless, sexless marriages or in very religious cultures that are very sex averse um, or with parents who hate each other or with single parents or divorced parents or whatever and they have no idea what a healthy marriage looks like, never mind what a healthy sex life looks like. So a lot of what I talk about is a healthy marriage overall in terms of attachment and interdependence and uh, being secure and being kind and various things that you could read all about on drpsychmom.com or listen to in this podcast. But um, frequently I'm talking about unhealthy sex lives in here. So a lot of people find it much more useful to hear what is a normal healthy sex life between, um, you know, married people. So I will get into that as soon as I tell you to subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode was about how my advice differs from religious advice in that we both say to have sex with your husband, but there is a key difference and I will discuss that or I did discuss that in my most recent subscriber episode. So please do subscribe and separately you can join my Facebook group if you like talking about things like this. Facebook group doesn't get you the podcast. People keep asking me that. I try to make it as super clear as possible. It's separate. Facebook group's separate and the podcast subscription is separate. So I can't blend those platforms. I can't give you a discount, but they are both very valuable in my estimation and very cheap for for the sort of thing that you get. All right. Um, So anyway, what does a healthy sex life look like? Well, the key word, and I know I say this a lot, is open-minded. In a healthy sex life, people can talk to each other. They could talk about sex and um, they talk about their preferences. They could talk about having sex. They could talk about not having sex. They could talk about where their desire is or isn't at a certain time or, you know, due to feeling differently biologically, emotionally. Like they just talk. They talk about sex. This is like something that couples do um, when they have a good sex life. You know, I mean, there's some couples who don't talk about it and they're just on the same page. They're usually pretty young, new into the relationship, um, or they just somehow are, you know, couples where they just automatically have the same conceptions of things, you know, that's very rare. For most people, they don't have the same libido, certainly, and they do not have the same um, ideas about what sex is because they weren't raised in the same family and they're not the same gender and a million different things that make them separate people. But obviously you don't need to have the same exact uh, drive and the same exact preferences to be compatible and to be in a healthy relationship. You just need to be able to communicate. So in a healthy sex life, people are non-judgmental communicators and they can hear what each other wants and, and likes and not take anything super personally and not shut it down and not stonewall and not say, you know, oh, that's gross. I don't want to talk about that. So in in healthy sex lives, both partners feel free and open and able to communicate honestly about their desires and needs. And this uh, is something that you can learn, obviously, in couples counseling. And it's it's really what we do in couples counseling, at least uh, vis-a-vis sex, is talk about it. Just talking about it can be really transformational for people who have never really talked openly about sex before. 
you know, they, they just never talk about it. And then they have a fight or something. And then the woman will say something like, well, I never liked sex anyway. Or the man will say, well, you've always been like cold anyway. And then they don't talk about it for another 10 years. I mean, it's, it, that's very unhealthy. And in contrast, so what are t- sorts of things that people talk about? So a woman could say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm getting my period tomorrow. I don't feel like doing it today. And the guy could say, oh, well, maybe, you know, in, in a couple of days we could do something for me. And she could say, okay, you know, or or no, <laughs> you know, I mean, and if she says no, then there would be a reason because like, okay, here, I'll give you a good analogy. So your kid comes up to you and says, can we play Parcheesi? You don't just say, no, I'm never going to play Parcheesi with you. If you don't feel like playing Parcheesi, you would, in a healthy manner, say, I can't play Parcheesi right now. Or even, I don't like Parcheesi, <laughs> you know, if, if you really fucking hate it, right? And you could be like, I will either play Parcheesi with you tomorrow when I'm not busy or tired, or let's play sorry now, right? You wouldn't just tell your kid, no, go away, right? So that wouldn't be healthy. That would be like a really kind of shitty parent. And if you did that, then... <laughs> then, you know, don't, don't like go beat yourself up. Just go realize that, you know, you need a different podcast and, and individual therapy because probably somebody was always telling you, fuck you, I don't want to play with you. And now you do it to your kids. But um, you can't really do that. You can't just say no. It's, it's fucked up. That's like, you know, that's messed up. Unless they have somebody else to play part cheesy with. But right. <laughs> but like if, it, if they really want to connect with you, then it really doesn't matter even who they, if they have somebody else to play Parcheesi with because they want to connect to you. So you can't just say no. You have to either do it, fine, suck it up, is not that bad, or you have to offer an alternative. You can't just say no. So this same sort of idea should be translated to tell you exactly what it's like in healthy relationships in terms of communication about sex. You may not want to do the thing they want, but you would offer something else or you would defer it until a different time. The different time not being whenever I decide to to deign to tell you that we can, it would be a specific different time. So I don't feel like doing it tonight. Let's do it tomorrow morning. Like that would be the equivalent. Right. And so you can't just see in healthy sex lives. People don't just say no. Um, They say uh, maybe not now. How about in, you know, 24 hours from now or whatever so that's the first thing the other thing is that if you don't like what they want to do you get like just a couple of those you know same as you would with friendship so you got to like take the healthy relationships in your life and make analogies right so if a friend says you want to go for pizza you don't say no you say okay and if you really hate pizza you probably go anyway, but you would, um, you know, just to be like a normal, flexible human being that could be sometimes do things I don't want to do. Or if you really hate pizza, I guess you could say, no, let's go to Chinese. All right, fine. So we go to Chinese. We don't do nothing. And I talked about this in my podcast a long time ago. Um, that was like, here's a, you know, simple hack. If your husband wants to do something in bed that you don't want to do, literally do anything else ever, right? <laughs> like come up with any other fucking idea, the same as you would with a friend who suggested Chinese and you want sushi. So anyway, um, so that's one thing is you can't just say like, no, and um, that's not healthy. Healthy is to say, okay, usually I'll try or 
let's compromise and do this. But it can't always be like that. Like in a healthy sex life, both people are trying to do what each other wants, like as a rule, the same as you would with anything else in your life with another human being like your child or your friend. You are trying to say yes. You are trying to be open. You're trying to go with the flow. So that is what it would be like. Sex isn't like the the special place where everybody's allowed to like be a complete asshole. Like instead, like, like that's how people like, they're like, oh yeah, sure, we can compromise about other things. But with sex, my boundaries are my boundaries. Why? Like, why is that? You know, that doesn't make any sense, especially given that sex is the only thing that your partner can't do with anybody else. So it should be the place where you're the most open-minded and the most flexible. So one way to transform your marriage into a healthier one would be to grow more flexible and open-minded and say yes more often. And frequently, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're going to like, you know? And if your husband, let's say, wants to go down on you and he's really shit at going down on you, then you would say, well, yeah, okay, we could do that. But the thing is, is I want you to like, like read up more on that because uh or maybe uh we could google something on it because I don't honestly get off like that and I don't like it sometimes it's too harsh I get cold while we're doing it I don't feel like you're really thinking about me I don't feel connected it's not when I'm excited yet like all these different things uh that's what it would be for in a real healthy open marriage not open marriage <laughs> I have another podcast on poly and open marriages that's not what we're talking about I'm talking about an open minded marriage where people can say what's on their mind you know or if your wife said I want to um I mean, I I want you to go down on me. You don't like going down on women. Then you would kind of research why you don't like going down on women. You would do a deep dive on whether that's like a, a nice way to be, same as a woman going down on a man, and you would try anyway, you know? I mean, it's not usually a problem, but with certain men, it's a problem. I still hear about it that women date men who don't want to go down on them. Do they like somehow keep dating them? I have no idea why. Just probably because they don't, they have low self esteem. They don't understand that that should be a deal breaker. Um, and I'll have a podcast coming out about that. If a man doesn't want to go down on you and you're listening to this, you're a single woman, you're, it's a deal breaker. Men are supposed to want to be, they're supposed to want to think that you're real hot and sexy and want everything to do with your body. Men are supposed to have high sex drives. So when a man doesn't want to go down on a woman, it is really never a good sign. Usually there's sex itself is going to stop later on in the, in the relationship also. But anyway, in a healthy marriage, people are coming from a place of yes in sex and everywhere else. And so a healthy sex life looks like something where people are talking about it, where they can bring up fantasies, where they could say, I had a sex dream and it involved this, this, and this. I, uh, I always wanted to do this. If you see a sex scene in a movie, you talk about it. You say, oh, that looks fun. Or, oh, I would, I would want to do that. I wouldn't want to do that. Whatever. Like sex is something that you talk about. You know, you, the, I can't, I can't like underscore this point enough. You openly talk about it whenever it comes up. There's a sex scene in a book, you could share it with your partner. If there's something that you think that you would want to explore, you share it with your partner. If you had a sexual abuse history, you can still have a healthy relationship, but you have to share it with your partner. You can't have, you can't be in a healthy marriage 
about sex, uh, have a healthy sex life, if you unfortunately had a sexual abuse history and then you don't share that fact with them because then they're flying blind. They have no idea why you're so averse to certain things and closed off and stuff. You can still definitely have a healthy sex life afterwards, but you need to give the partner a chance in hell, you know, to understand you and frequently, you know, therapy can really help with this because then you could get into couples therapy. Somebody else can help them understand how a sexual abuse history is impacting you, how that's totally normal and how you guys can work through it. Also, if you've had other bad experiences with sex, you want to be able to share those. This is why I say you always have to talk about exes, you know, in a healthy relationship. If you don't talk anything about exes, then they have no, your partner has no idea about like a whole like, like basically like so much of your life and so much of what you did. So in open, um, in open communicative marriages, people say, oh yeah, I did that with so-and-so. I did that with so-and-so. And that's okay because nobody takes it super personally. If you're very, very insecure and both of you have limited experience, many men who are late bloomers, I did a whole podcast about that, hate hearing about a woman's prior experience because it makes them feel insecure. But listen, she still has the experience. So it's better to know information than to not know it, to see like kind of all about her as a person and what she likes and doesn't like. And it, you, it just gives you so much of an understanding. In sessions where we talk about exes, couples leave with so much of a better understanding of each other and often like there's completely transformed they're like oh my god like he did such and such like let's say like a man who um who's always been begging his wife to go down on him will say something like well yeah like in my earliest relationship in high school she didn't want to get pregnant so that's all we did so she went down on me all the time and that was a year-long relationship and so the woman will be like oh my god I didn't know that, you know, like she, the woman may have thought about like um, oral sex as like, and many women do that have limited sexual experience as a cherry on top of a relationship, something that somebody might do every, you know, couple months max in the honeymoon stage to hear that this man had it happen all the time. Her husband is like transformative. It's like a, a window opens in her mind. She's like, oh my God, you know, like that's something that he can, that that was his whole sex life, you know. So then, if that was his whole sex life, then what? Then I've been thinking about it totally wrong. And it's not like she drops down in the middle of the session, starts giving him head. You know, things are not like that simple. But at least it's like an under. It's like an aha moment, a moment of empathy, so that. It, and, and the guy will be like, well, I thought you, you know, I mean, I thought you understood that. I mean, you know, because I, I said, you know, that I didn't lose my virginity till I was 18. But, you know, I had this girlfriend in high school. She didn't understand shit. She didn't know that, you know. So, like, that's just an example that, like, you know, I made up. And there's many examples like that. You know, and I... <sighs> I, I just cannot, I'm trying to think of more things I could make up <laughs> or more examples I, I could come up with to show you, or for example, uh, definitely when there's been with a woman, when there's been like a bad experience, like a guy pushed her head down. So frequently she won't go down on a guy because her first boyfriend, when she was 16 years old, used to like push her head down. And so she associates it with like fear and revulsion. So if a guy knows that, then he could be like, oh, wow, I totally get it. I empathize. We could talk about like never doing it in that position. We could talk about this. We could talk about that. Women might not even know there's other positions for that. 
I have an oral sex podcast coming up. That's why I'm so into thinking about the oral sex examples. Also, it's like half of what people complain about <laughs> in sessions. So, I mean, that's always a big deal. But anyway, so the point is that if the more open you are talking about your prior experiences, their prior experiences, your current fantasies, their current fantasies, their current absence of fantasies, as many women have an absence of fantasy and their partner doesn't realize that that's true. It's true. Many women have zero sexual fantasies if they have low sex drives. But whatever the case may be, you got to talk about it like you would talk about every other uh, type of thing, every other issue in your life. Another thing is a healthy sex life does not go very uh, long in between encounters. That's the truth of it. You know, it's like real hard to have a healthy sex life once a month, you know, unless you're both very low libido people, in which case you're never going to be listening to my podcast. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but for the people listening to my podcast, usually at least one of you has a high libido. And if you can't do it every few days or a couple times a week at least, how is it ever going to get better? You're not practicing. You're not comfortable with each other's bodies. It's not becoming part of your routine. It's not like something that you rely on each other for. You know, it's not like like the same way as you know that you're going to talk to your partner about your day or you know that you're going to eat dinner with your partner at night or whatever. Sex has to be like that. You have to know that it's coming, that it's coming regularly. This is allows people not to masturbate. You know, and masturbation, as I've discussed, is not really good within a marriage where sex is not just awesome and omnipresent. If there's any sexual problems at all, then masturbation doesn't help anything. And I've talked about that ad nauseum in podcasts, which are like masturbation, the junk food of married sex or vibrators, why they lead to bad sex or porn in marriage, like a million podcasts about this. But the point is, is you need to know that sex is happening regularly. And for like a man in his 30s, let's say that's like, you know, every other day, every third day would be great. A man in his 40s, maybe every third day, every fourth day would be great. Like, that's like the level at which, you know, somebody could not masturbate. After that, then of course they're going to masturbate. If you're only having sex once a week, you know, then a guy is definitely at least is going to masturbate. And once he's masturbating, then it's not, you know, he's not fully, fully into you, really. It's not you, because he's also thinking about other things. He's probably looking at porn. I guess he could do it without porn. But, I mean, if you're, if, you, if you're not interested, then it's a hard sell for somebody to not masturbate. And I have something coming up on that, or I think I have a post coming out on that. But, yeah, if you, the way for people to make their sex lives focused on one another is to have sex with one another frequently. And that's why I talk about things like try daily sex to reinvigorate your marriage. Try daily intimacy. How much better would your partner act, your high libido, high touch partner act, if they knew that they were going to have sex every day or every other day? They would act a hell of a lot better because their need would finally be being met and addressed. So you need to have regular practice and reliable practice for a sex life to improve. And you also have to have good communication. If you have both of those things, your sex life is going to be much healthier much, much healthier. And in fact, it would be pretty good. So you have sex pretty regularly, very open talking about things. I'm not saying this is easy to get here and therapy can really help you get to a place where both of these things are happening. But those are the two guiding principles. I like to make it simple to summarize. Open communication and frequent practice. That is going to make anything healthier, you know, like you'll get better at anything with that. So sex is no different. 
So, you know, discuss those two points with your partner if, if you want, you know, and if you're really struggling, then again, couples counseling, especially it has to be with somebody who talks about sex. If you have sexual issues, will really help you with both of these. Um, I also do have a sexologist, um, Heather. She is on my team and you could reach out to schedule with Heather. She works in any state because everybody can't work with me. Unfortunately, I don't have that many hours in the day. And um, so, and she is great on her own, obviously, of course. And you you can it's interesting because in initial sessions what she does is exactly what I'm talking about you know she gets the full sense of of what your sex life is like and you start open communicating about it right away she works with couples and individuals all right well um, so anyway that was my plug for her she's worth it and um and I'll talk to everybody soon have a great day